0: What's worse, according to the media, Vladimir Putin or an American citizen who doubts the 2020 election? You're watching the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I'm Brad Binkley, joining me for a late night, middle of the night, actually, host of the Mad Ones podcast, Cam Harless. Cam, this is the second time those who are watching live right now who are up as late as we are, have heard that because we had a malfunction of sorts. I don't know what caused it, but everything kind of went haywire about five minutes into the show, and we had to reboot everything and start over again. So thank you guys who are about to hear some of the same stuff. I'm going to play a shortened version of the clip that you guys heard in the now deleted part of what went haywire a moment ago. Cam, is image is upside down because he is in the upside down, or maybe I'm in the upside down. I'm in Australia. You're in Australia or yeah. the upside down. I, I don't know. So... What I want to talk about to begin with is is Ukraine and all of the aid that we've been sending them because we've been sending them billions upon billions of dollars and how the midterms may or may not affect that aid. In fact, here is Zelensky being asked about that very thing, the concern over whether or not the aid will stop if the wrong people get elected in November. Here is Zelensky. I'm going to let you guys hear the question, then I'm going to skip kind of towards the end to the part that I really want to show. Who is he speaking uh, with stays. again? He's speaking with Farid Zakaria, who is also a World Economic Forum Davos man and here, yeah, and part-time Pepe Frog in person. And there. he does kind of look like Pepe the Frog and he, he looks like what did what did Sir Tim of Tunnel say in the other chat? He looks like he wants to sell you a, a Rolex out of the the trunk of his car. I would say that's a good description as well. Here is, let me get that to the beginning, and here's Fareed's question on CNN. <laughs> There he is. He does kind of look like Pepe the Frog. You're not wrong there.
1: There's a midterm election coming. In every vote so far, I think I'm right, the Republicans supporting Ukraine have declined. If the Republicans take the House of Representatives, which is the the power of the purse, that uh, that's where the money comes from. Do you worry that this American aid will, will slow down or stop? And what would be your message to to the House Republicans?
0: I'll stop there. Even in the question, that just a framing of that question, he injects that into this conversation. Do you worry that these Republicans might, these, the implication being these bad people might stop sending money and standing in solidarity with Ukraine? What would you, your message be to these people who are not good, who are trying to stop this moral mission that you're on? That's what it came off to me as. Yeah, well, and and why is he making a direct
2: appeal to Americans? That's, 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 uh, is this a GoFundMe or a country?
0: Right, exactly. And and we have sent them most of the money that they've gotten. And I have a comment on that here in a second. But I'm going to let you hear this portion of it. And then I'll fill in the details of some of what we played on the, the other version of this, the now deleted version of this show. But here is where he's talking about American taxpayers. Zelensky is. He gets to that anyway.
3: It will be the tragedy of the 21st century.
0: The tragedy of the 21st century would be if Putin wins. That, that's
3: what he just said. Uh, it's extremely important for, for me that if there are certain political trends and if they send signals that there is some weakening of our support or supporting the Russian side, uh, like through the visa regime, we will communicate this. Immediately because we will help to defend the funds of the taxpayers, of the people of the United States. They need to know that those funds are being spent to fight for those values. And that's
0: what really, really stuck out to me about that clip is when we have the president of Ukraine saying that the American people need to know that their taxpayer funds are being used right or are being used to defend their values. I mean, this is the president of Ukraine, not talking about his own citizens not their tax dollars, the tax dollars of Americans, the billions of dollars that have been sent over there that is our money. He just wants us to know that it's being used properly. Is there not something wrong with that? You have the head of another state talking about how he's using our tax—our billions of dollars worth of taxpayer funding in the correct way when everybody doesn't agree on what's going on over there. So against their will, their money is being, they're being used for, for this man who's just trying to make sure that we feel good about it. And what they talk about in the, the interim in that clip that we, we didn't play here is they're justifying this taxpayer money by using it on our values. So this is not a, a war that we're – or it's not funding that we're giving to Ukraine. That's, that's a wrong way to think about it. We're sending money to the fight for democracy to making the world safe for democracy, which is what Woodrow Wilson, the appeal during World War I, and that's the same appeal they're trying to make right now. So we're standing in solidarity and sending money over there, not for them, but for us, for our own well-being, because they are the front lines in this fight for democracy. If we don't send that money, our world will collapse. Authoritarians will take over completely. This is World War speak that we're hearing here. Did you hear the subtext, though? what was the subtext
2: subtext that I realized the second watching, I don't remember what I said the first time I watched it me either. Um, I'm (laughs) tired for that. Um, but if you listen, what he's saying is it's, it's again, it's, he's pretending it's an appeal to Republicans and to politicians, but this is a, an appeal to Americans. And what he just said without strictly clearly saying it was, if you don't keep sending us money, we will lose and it will be your
0: fault that we lost. Exactly. That's exactly what he, it will be your fault if you elect these MAGA Republican semi-fascist and they stop and they, because they are one and the same as Putin. That, that was why I had the intro the way that I did, because that is the clear message coming not just from our own politicians and their rhetoric, but from the rhetoric of Vladimir Zelensky. I mean that that was yeah that was there in that message as well yeah great point. I just wanted to also uh,
2: there was a point I wanted to repeat, which was um, how short is this man? Because this is like this chair shot, this two shot with them in chairs makes him look. It's very interesting. Tiny.
0: Yeah, let's put that. I'm gonna put that back on. Stop that. I'm gonna put that on screen. I think they're both probably tiny. I think that probably both of them are under four foot seven. If I had to guess. Those chairs are probably children's chairs are sitting in. But look at this setting on screen for those. (laughs) It
2: it looks like one of the chairs Elijah Wood sat in during the um, forced perspective scenes in Lord of the Rings.
0: I am not a Lord of the Rings fan, so I'm not quite sure what those are. Chairs look huge. Yeah, these chairs. These guys are not tall men. But they're sitting in a room that looks like everything in it is gold. It looks like they're sitting in Saddam Hussein's castle or whatever it is. Because the fireplace is gold. The floor is is golden colored. And it looks like there's gold trims all over the wall. This is like the most elitist look. And it is bare. It's also bare. There's nothing hanging on the wall. This is like kingdom type. look. These people are kings in the way that they're they're presenting this, this imagery here. It's very strange.
2: Well, okay. So I just looked it up. Um. Reed is a sprightly 5'8. I told you you were short. They're both short. Zelensky is 5'7. Right. He's he shorter.
0: Extra small, only looks, army green shirts. That's it. Little baby. Yeah, yeah. Little baby. Very, very, very tiny shirts and very tiny feet, I'm almost certain of. So, I, this is def- definite world war speak. And when you think about it in the context of everything that's going on here, because oftentimes, the conversation can be that this rhetoric that we're hearing about the domestic terrorists and all that, MAGA and all that, is just an attempt by the Democrats to try and win the midterm elections, which I think it goes far beyond that. I've expressed that before. I think it's actually part of the Great Reset. I don't think they're just trying to demonize, quote, MAGA Republicans here. I think they're trying to demonize people who question the narrative around the world. And the MAGA Republicans that they're painting are the stereotype and the image of what that type of person is that that way they try to, they try to create this image of something that people are afraid to identify with even if they do afraid to speak up and identify with it afraid to question the election and therefore they can silence people and then they can paint this broad brush across the globe that's what i think they're trying to do and I, and in the second clip here uh Zelensky, the question there's a question from fraud he, he said what did he say here he says that uh okay oh no wait this is different actually sorry this isn't from them With this in mind, the clip we just saw of fraud, I'm going to play a clip now from the World Economic Forum Davos from May of 2020. I've talked about this panel discussion a lot, and I did a whole show playing clips of it, but I felt like I should bring some of it back because it's so relevant here. And again, this was back in May, and it's foreshadowing all of the stuff that's going on right now. And I, and I talk about that a lot. You watch these panel discussions, we watch world economic forum, we watch council on foreign relations, Brookings institutions, and the words that they say, these global influencers are the words that Joe Biden repeats verbatim weeks and months later. And the, the, policy ideas they put in place the ones that get adopted you want to see what's going to happen in the future then you look at these things because it it often oftentimes does happen not all the time it fails a lot but this is from a world economic forum davos panel discussion that's called the view from capitol hill and the host of it the moderator is a british is apparently the the most popular british financial journalist i can't remember her name but she's talking to senator Leahy. there's about seven or eight congressmen and women on stage or, yeah, and uh, Senator Leahy, it, it, they're talking about the very thing that Zelensky and Fareed were talking about. Here they are.
3: Senator Wicker, you know, 11 Republican senators voted against this, and I believe 57 Republican congressmen did. So there is a, you know, not so small in the House um, a contingent of Republicans who are not in favor of this. Is it, is there a risk that as the midterms get closer, Uh, that that increases. And secondly, if uh, control of one or both chambers changes after the midterms, should the rest of the world think there might be a change in congressional attitudes to Ukraine?
0: I'm going to pause out there. Almost an identical question that Freed asked. But notice how she said, should the rest of the world? This is world war speak. Should the rest of the world worry about this? So this stuff is mundane and boring, But it's also very relevant to what's happening in the world right now. Now, his answer, it's a very interesting answer. And I'll I'll let him, I'll let you hear it yourself.
1: No, I don't think, uh, I think the answer to your last question is no, they should not worry about that. Before World War II, there was a relatively strong group of America firsters led by patriots like Charles Lindbergh. They just looked at the, the world differently and and they were very very much uh, opposed to us preparing to get into uh, World War II. I think that certainly has diminished, but there's that element there, and I think uh, there's some voices on cable TV that have uh, amplified that view, and so that was reflected in the 11 no votes in the in the U.S. Senate and the 40 or so in the U.S. House. The reason. We were able to to approve this vast sum of forty billion dollars is because we are representing public opinion in the United States. The reason we were able to do it so fast is that we kept um other extraneous though important issues away from the bill and uh, and the the Republican leader, Senator McConnell uh, made it clear. That we would supply enough votes to get this done if if we remove other issues that were going to take time. More COVID relief is important.
0: I'm going to take it to the end here.
1: When Ukraine comes back, as as we know they will, the next the next tranche will will have to be done be- because we have led in public opinion and shown, as our previous speakers have said, how important it is.
0: Okay. Leading in Senator public Wicker, opinion. You know, 11- Let's just stop that. Leading in public opinion. Let that stick in your mind. Leading in public opinion. Because leading in public opinion does not mean public majority. It doesn't mean the majority of public opinion. But there was a, a lot there. So, again, the same basic question that Freed asked. Now, this was back in May. And the question Fareed asked Zelensky was earlier this week. This... Davos discussion it foreshadowed a lot of the stuff that was going on uh, in regards to this narrative about will the republicans if they're elected will they continue to fund this like are they going to stand in the way because democratic values across the world here everywhere are at stake are these are these republicans going to stand in the way and he made that america firsters reference, which I, I found that just really interesting because it was just so on point at the time and it still is. And what they're called now, these American firsters, is, is they are now called anti-democratic, semi-fascist, MAGA Republicans, or people who simply question the election. Here's the thing about a MAGA Republican. You don't get to decide if you're a MAGA Republican. That, that's, not, that's not your choice. They decide if you're a MAGA Republican by the level of doubt that you have about the 2020 election. You simply say, if they say to you, the 2020 election was the most secure election that's ever existed on the planet, which they actually say, which is something that is unmeasurable, unprovable, and a frankly ridiculous thing to say. I mean, it is. it's ridiculous to have a response to, well, I have some doubts about the election. This was the most secure election history has ever seen. And that is what they say. And so the, the unreasonable point there is the one they try and normalize. And the reasonable one saying, I have few doubts about what you're saying, is the one they're trying to portray as radical. And this was all, this all I'm sure it started before, but it was very clear that it was being foreshadowed here in this panel discussion to, to demonize people who question this stuff. And the public opinion they want to lead with So the way they get this approval to send the money, and you mentioned, I can't even remember if you mentioned it at the beginning here or if it was mentioned in the other start that we did to the show, that this is like, if if the Republicans stand in the way, then that's the problem. So they need the money. They need it now. If these anti-democratic Republicans who are just like Putin get elected and they stop it, well, Democratic values across the planet are going to collapse and we're all going to die and climate change will kill the planet. It's a strange narrative, but this is what they're pushing.
2: Can I ask a tangential question of you? Of course. That I've 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 had a hard time stopping thinking about. Um, like I'm not like an anti-short person. I'm average height. Like I can't be anti-short. Um, and so it's not coming from that place. But I'm sitting here looking at this situation, looking at this small man in a big chair. And I'm, you know, they tried to make him a star. They've tried to make him a hero. They've tried to do all of this stuff. And I look at him and I can't help but think when he was elected in what, 2014, 2015?
0: Um, Are you talking about in, Zelensky or, or Zelensky,
2: yeah. Um, Did they intentionally put in the short actor so that when he did anything, he looked more heroic? Because he was diminutive, because he was small. Like, was this part of the plan from when he first got in? Because it's it 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 plays on screen, because this is a small man who is not exactly winning a war asking for your help and for your money. It wouldn't play as strong if he was six foot two and burly,
0: right? The, he is the everyman. That that's what he is probably. I did, he probably auditioned for everyman characters all the time, and uh, they think they wanted to get an everyman out there, a man who the public felt like they can relate to. The height of it, that's just uh, I think an overall factor of him being the everyman. If he were six foot six or something like that, then he wouldn't feel like. Well, I mean, everyman. even even if he was five foot eleven, which is yeah.
2: aggressively average and perfectly normal and beautiful in and of itself. Um, <laughs> Obviously, I'm 5'11". Um, <laughs> I don't think it would have as much impact because he looks like this little little fella that needs help. How tall is Putin? That's a good question.
0: Putin's also short, I think. Is he? I believe he's also short. For, uh, from what I remember, he's also sh- also short. But yeah, the image of that guy, he, he was the character they, they kind of decided to cast in this role. And it was the, the overall persona of him. He didn't need to seem like an elite. He needed to seem like a guy who could be in the trenches who you wanted to root for. And, and that's kind of what he... He's- Portraying. Also 5'7". right? Yeah, there are. There's a of picture
2: of Zelensky meeting Tom Cruise, who's 5'7", and he's shorter than Tom Cruise. So I think Zelensky may be lying about his height. But yeah, I think they all lie about their heights. God,
0: Putin talks like he's six
2: foot five.
0: Well, yeah, that's what that a lot dude of people has. Do that. I mean, that Hitler that, okay. was like five six five. Actually, Hitler was like five seven five eight. Also, I'm just saying, I'm incredibly
2: impressed by Putin being five seven. And like having the 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 BDE of a six foot tour. You know what I, I mean?
0: mean height is everything's about confidence and attitude. It doesn't matter how you can be two foot five. If you have if you have the confidence and attitude of somebody who's eight feet tall, then people will be intimidated by you. That, that's wow. really what life is, is confidence. And that's Incredible. why they say fake it till you make it. And These it little dwarves are
2: fighting e- fighting each other.
0: And we're just, we're, we're, yeah, just yeah. we're just
2: taking part. Yeah.
0: So in, in that clip, what he also foreshadowed was that narrative where Republicans are split into two groups, the the mainstream and then the MAGA Republicans. This was this, That was in May that he said that. And that was very clear that this was a demonstration kind of of what we're seeing now with the narrative. So this stuff is all connected. That was a World Economic Forum, the Davos panel discussion again. And so now we fast forward to this past Sunday, and this is the Ukrainian ambassador to – yeah, it's the uh, American ambassador to Ukraine. It's a, it's a Ukrainian, not an American ambassador. But she's talking about the exact same thing that they were talking about. And here she is on Face the Nation this on September 11th. This was on September 11th they were having this conversation. The
4: administration um, made some announcements of further support. $2.2 billion in long-term military financing for Ukraine and its neighbors. This was just in the past week. $675 million package of heavy weapons. Your foreign minister tweeted this morning that now it's about schedule, schedule and schedule. So you're getting these pledges. Is there a complaint? It's not arriving fast enough.
3: We don't have any complaints. If you look at uh, August and September, uh, we see that the announcements are very regular and we're getting a lot of announcements on a weekly basis We also see, and it's very important, and it has been a highlight of this uh, Secretary Blinken's visit to Kyiv, that we're not only talking about what is necessary right now for us to win today, but we are increasingly discussing the long-term support and everything that we need in order to build what we call the enduring strength so the usai package that was announced 3 billion that was announced in on the independence day and this 2.2 $2 billion out of which uh, about 1 billion will go to ukraine in the foreign uh, mm-hmm. financing is not only what we need now but also what we will need in the coming months and years in order to be able to defend ourselves
2: tell me those dates aren't important tell me those dates aren't important what the fact that which dates Because she said the the, what they got on Independence Day, July Fourth, right, and then she followed up by, well, no, not followed up. She is making a plea Mm -hmm. to not to avert disaster, to avert avert catastrophe on september 11th well, I well,
0: right and hate um, these yeah. people you're man. gonna hear you're gonna hear another one that it's the day the reason i pulled these clips is because of how she kept using these dates she did, did this people. throughout the interview and you're right this interview was on september 11th <sighs> they were speaking to this ambassador uh, of ukraine and first of all we've given them at least 15 billion dollars the united states has of taxpayer money and some estimates have it at much higher now, can you imagine if somebody who gave you, or if you gave somebody fifteen billion dollars, if they complain to you about it not getting to them fast enough, that's the question she asked. We've given you all this billions worth of money. Is it not getting to you fast enough? Or are we not doing it fast enough for you? I mean, how are we subservient to the people we've given fifteen billion dollars to? That's how that came off to me. What what an odd question to ask someone who you've given boatloads of money to of taxpayer funding from your own country. I would think you would be a little bit pissed off that it's like, hey, how about some results here? We're giving you all of the money we have. But no, we're subservient to them in the way that they they talk about it. It's a weird question. And secondly, she says, and it's hard to hear what she says, but I believe what she said there was endurance trends. And it feels like a conditioning thing that's going on here. So we're sending them money, but they want this money sent on a scheduled basis for the long term. Because they don't know when the war is going to end. And we put that automatic paycheck in there. And it shows up each day of the week for years. Because it could be years. She said the war could go on for years. Because it ends when Ukraine wins. And that could be years. And they just need a steady sum of income. An allowance coming from us indefinitely. Without question. And this is American taxpayer dollars. We're talking about here. And again, why? Why would we do this? Well, we do that because this is not going to Ukraine, as we mentioned earlier. This is going to the fight for democracy, to the fight for all of us. We are paying for our own defense here because we're all under threat. And that's the way they try and spin all of this stuff. Yo, know, You're not sending it to Ukraine. This is for democracy around the planet and the safety of your children. F you. I don't like these people either. I don't, I don't like them. And it's
2: it's so much of this is just like manipulative. But on top of that, it's like you go on a first date, right? And you take the girl to um, Tejas de de Brazil. Go-kart riding. Right. Well, I'm just going to go with steakhouse. You go to Tejas de Brazil, Brazilian steakhouse, all you can eat, fun, kind of expensive. But you get there. At this amazing place to eat together for the first time on a first date, and this this bitch says to you, "Why didn't you just take me to Ruth's Chris?"
0: Right. No, and that is definitely so. okay yeah, And if you engage in that relationship, as America has, then it's on you. But unfortunately, You're it's stupid. also like if you go on that date and you say, "Okay, fine, let's go to Ruth's Chris," because you really want to, you know, get with that, but. You are funding that date through taxpayer money. The taxpayers are right. paying it's like for it. It's
2: like if my mom was paying for it.
0: Right. It's not you. It's, it's somebody else who's suffering the, the financial consequences uh, of all of that. And you're exactly right, man. It's, it's extraordinary. The audacity, says Sir Tunnels, I completely agree. It, the reason I want to show some of this stuff, because it really demonstrates the, the propaganda technique that they're using when it comes to not, not only this, the way they're trying to justify and rationalize the reason that we're doing all of this, that it, this you're a, an American patriot, and you're fighting for your children if you send all of your money to Ukraine. I mean, that's kind of backwards, but then it's like, but you'll die because democracy will collapse if you don't. It, it's backwards, but then they also associate it with January 6th. They, they, around this interview, they surrounded it with January 6th interviews and how domestic terror, or, or September 11th and January 6th interviews, Domestic terror is now the threat, and they combine it by showing both of these kind of side by side to create these associations in people's minds. Because to them, you question the election, you are exactly like Vladimir Putin. And she does say here in this next clip, very uh, it's a short clip, I think. She said, she says, um, yeah, no, she says something about all of what Putin said. Not Putin. I guess he's like Putin, but Vladimir Zelensky. He's like Vladimir Zelensky. He, he says that it's about democracy. It's about the fight for all of us and not just the fight for Ukraine, which is extraordinary. The audacity. Sir Tim of Tunnels, you are exactly right. Here she is talking. Oh, th- no, this is the wrong one. Hold on a second. That's, uh, you, that's the one I want to play for you about the dates. And this is the clip seven. All right. There we go.
3: How much longer does this war last?
2: It <gasps> yep, will Lady last G. until
3: we win. And we definitely would like her, it to be,
2: her, uh, did you hear that ladybugs much
3: longer. Does this war last? It will last until we win. And we definitely would like it to be shorter because the Russians are not only attacking us, they're attacking Europe, the energy crisis, the food crisis, everything they're trying to create in order to not only attack Ukraine, but. Every democracy that is together with us fighting for the democracy now. Mm -hmm. So the faster we do it, the the faster we will return to rebuilding and renovating our country, but also to some kind of normal life in Europe and globally.
0: I I, I took that clip as a threat, personally. That felt like a threat to me. But the war, how how long does the war last? It lasts until we win. And and we're going to win faster if you send us money faster, okay? Okay. So send us your money, shut up, stop asking questions. It, it might take years, but just just send that send that money over to us slaves and American taxpayers so that we can get this war out of the way and so that your children and democracy can, in fact, be safe. It's, it's almost like we used to be married to Ukraine or something because it's like we got a divorce and we got taken to the cleaners in court and now we're spending the rest of our lives paying alimony, an insane amount of alimony funded by somebody else to the Ukrainians here, this woman here, and of course, the anchor is just feeding into this. She's allowing her to do all this. She's setting her up with all the questions. It's very, the balls on these people is unbelievable. And it's like, kind of summarize what what I, I learned from these clips anyway, is that our money, billions of dollars worth from taxpayers is being sent to Ukraine for our own good, for your good and for my own good, for the good of your children, Cam, for our protection, because democracy and the world will collapse if we don't, and that it could take forever indefinitely. And finally, the potential obstacles that might stand in the way are people like you and me, Cam, who question things. Those are the problems, because people like that might get elected to Congress. So how do we stop that? And that's how these narratives always come together. So we see these broken off narratives everywhere in the, in the news. They always they always like slowly intertwine. So uh, uh, what's it called? A herald in improv. It's an improv for- formula format where you yeah. start off and you do three scenes. Herald's like nine scenes. And the first three scenes come out and they're completely separated. They seemingly have nothing to do with each other after you get the suggestion. Then the second set of scenes, they they kind of start to slowly mix, subtly and slowly mix. And the third, sometimes fourth, they, they get even closer and closer. Then by the time the conclusion comes, all of the scenes were connected all the time. You just didn't realize it. But through improv, you discover it. That's what they do in the news. The news takes on this storytelling format. They literally take it on because they have Hollywood people and they have producers and stuff that work with them because they understand that people operate based on stories, and and they're weaving all of this stuff together right now, which brings me to some 9-11 domestic terrorism stuff after we hear what you have to say.
2: I was just going to say, this is going to sound kind of harsh, but if a country cannot afford to defend themselves whatsoever in any way shape or form are we sure we need them to exist as a state i'm saying there uh, this is this sounds very failed state to me that's what i mean by that
0: i see what, yeah i see what you're saying i guess the question would be is who's in charge over there who's really controlling it which is obviously not ukrainians it's obviously not volodymyr zelensky is not the most powerful person in control of ukraine that's a joke it's NATO. It's it's not Joe Biden. It's these globalists who are pulling all the strings, who are using Ukraine as kind of a, a front door or side door or whatever to just to you know go to war with Russia. This is war with Russia. To, to, to think this is a, a, a war between Ukraine and Russia is a joke. It is kind this is this is just a U.S. Russia proxy war. That's yeah, I know. It's is. so obvious that it's not. And like I remember when saying that, you you would get accused of of spreading Russian. Disinformation. How, how could you not say, yeah, it's definitely a, a proxy war? I, I just don't know how you can say that and not be, or not like, not understand that unless you're just brain dead. Obviously, it's a proxy war. It's just, and that's the crazy. That's like the craziest thing about it is that they have convinced people that it's not. Because if you've convinced people that this is not a proxy war, then you have some manipulatable subjects on your hands who will do anything. I mean, and this is,
2: I just can't believe Joe Biden, stupid, beautiful, very beautiful old man. coot, let the soul of America go to Ukraine and get caught up in a war. Yeah, it's just, why would he do that? Probably what, 100's a, fault. what a horrible president, man. <sighs> totally. I can't totally. believe our democracy got so far away from us.
0: No, I and it's it, we call it a democracy too, and it's, uh, it's not. They never they never actually explain what it means, you know. How a much? Sl- don't you find that interesting that it's always like they they continue to say democracy, democracy. Well, Once you explain the nuances of it a little bit more, so people don't think yeah. that this mass rule is what we're after. This mob rule. It's not like we're a constitutional republic or anything. I, I know they don't ever bother to explain any of that situation there. I, I, this next clip here, which is. The last one from this woman here, which this is the one about dates that I found. I didn't know this. I had no idea that this were true. Again, this interview was on 9-11, and this is a a fact I did not know.
4: And we are joined now once again by Ukraine's ambassador to the United States, Oksana Markarova. Madam Ambassador, good morning to you. An incredible past few days for your country. Um, I wonder, as you have this progress, if concern is growing that Russia Will resort to more brutality to respond to the success Ukraine has had.
3: Well, our two hundred days fall on the September eleven. And uh, we know that
0: did you notice what she said? There was she's kind of hard to understand. They, the day. they they planned the start of this thing. Right. 200 days before September 11th. The, the, the 200th day of the war falls on September 11th. I, I did not know that. I know it, it's, it's kind of mind boggling. It's a short clip. I'll let her finish here.
3: Spain and we feel this pain in Ukraine. We know how is it when terrorists attack you at home. So we always have to keep in mind that Russia still can do a lot of damage.
0: You still do a lot of damage, so we got to keep that in mind. And, and this is what I'm talking about with the interweaving of these storylines is she has these themes of it's a 200th day, falls on September 11th, the day you guys remember, and we know what it's like to be attacked at home, at home. Now, what is I that association that- there? Because the interview that follows is with Mark or one of the interviews is with Mark Werner of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and during his interview, he, I think he makes very clear what the associations they're trying to create with this this woman is. Because you know, September 11th is a day that we know that we need to never ever forget. We just need to never forget that it is us that are actually the terrorists. That is what they want us to never forget on September 11th of this year, and that could not have been more apparent then the news that i saw leading up to 9/11 and on 9/11 is truly unbelievable where's the mark werner clip it is like, low
2: key soft bigotry for us to say or anyone to say that bush did 9/11 or that the united states had anything yeah. to do with it because you're racist those those brown men from saudi arabia could do it on their own you must hate muslims if you don't think they could pull that off without yeah. white
0: people's help Right. right, you got to give them a platform to speak, raise them up. Use your voice for them. Use your voice for yes. them. Yes. Here is, I believe, this is Mark Warner. For a closer yes. look
4: now at the evolving threats to the homeland, we begin this morning with the chair.
0: Notice that transition there. Let's take a closer look at the evolving threats to the homeland, not the threats to the homeland that people think about nine eleven. The evolving threats.
4: Chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Mark Warner of Virginia. Good morning to you, Senator. You know. introduced to many Americans for the very first time this sense of vulnerability at home, and it launched the global war on terror. I wonder how vulnerable you think America is now. Are we paying enough attention to the Middle East and to Afghanistan?
5: Well, Margaret, I remember, as most Americans do, where they were on 9-11. I was in the middle of a political campaign, and suddenly the differences with my opponent seemed very small in comparison and our country came together. In many ways, um, we defeated the terrorists because of the resilience of the American public, because of our intelligence community, and we are safer, better prepared. Um, The stunning thing to me is here we are 20 years later, and the attack on the symbol of our democracy was not coming from terrorists, but it came from literally insurgents attacking the Capitol on January 6th. So I believe we are stronger I believe our intelligence community has performed remarkably. I think the threat of terror has diminished. I think we still have new challenges in terms of nation, uh, state challenges. Russia and longer term, a technology competition with China. But I do worry about some of the activity in this country where the election deniers, the insurgency that took place on January 6th. That is something I hope we could see that same kind of unity of spirit.
0: So there you go there's what the, but yeah he, what? he the election deniers are the problem they're just like the terrorist of 9-11 and the what you heard from him there was the least extreme rhetoric i heard that was demonizing quote election deniers in the no. past all week it's been stuff like this just tell me did he really just say
2: that he wants the spirit of unity from 9-12 over the freaking in- the freaking insurgency did he say? Yeah, he said insert Did he say nine twelve? No, no, I'm 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 adding in nine twelve. It sounded very much to my tired mind. Let's see. What, let's he see. Was, he did
0: say that about the insurgency.
5: Yeah. Uh, let's hear the last ten seconds. Here, see what he uh, state challenges Russia and longer term a technology competition with China. But I do worry about some of the activity in this country where the election deniers, the insurgency that took place on January sixth. That is something I hope we could see that same kind of unity of spirit.
2: He's saying he wants nine twelve because of like January sixth. So so let's let's let let me okay. Nine twelve. Everyone was American. Hoorah. Let's right. get them. They heard us.
0: Yeah. We're going to go to Iraq. You know how many people that got to enlist in the military? Like a ton, yeah. a ton of people yeah. enlisted. So
2: well. so that's what nine twelve was. A unifying Situation, crisis, catastrophe, tragedy that they used in order to uh, bring everyone together, unified in war against Iraq and uh, Afghanistan, which we just got out of Afghanistan, what, last year? Right. It's a joke. And so now that same hoorah, let's get him, let's kill him, that's the kind of unity he wants against election against, deniers? Against us, against and, election deniers, yes. That, insurrectionists? And,
0: and that, yes, right. That's exactly exactly this is, what he's saying. This, this And he's this saying he's just, the least, like, yes, dude. So, the, what? I don't even think we we're going to get to all of it, but you, you nailed the point right there, because it isn't just him saying that. On 9-11, which is a day that people tend to reflect back upon what happened, where they were, whatnot, was a day this year where they brought in some of the most high-ranking officials in the government, including Kamala Harris, Joe Biden did his thing, but also the head of the DOJ, the the head of the DOD. They they were doing interviews everywhere. I have clips from like eight different shows of people saying the same thing, even on Bill Maher's show, which I'm saving those for the XR because they're going to make you swear, of them saying the exact same thing that he's saying here, except in a more extreme way. This is why... I think that there was a shift from just extreme rhetoric to an actual program to target and openly threaten people who question the election to either shut up or you're just like Russia. You're just like the terrorist on. It. You're wor- you might as well be flying a plane into the World Trade Center if you have a few doubts about the election. That- that's kind of what I took away from some of this. It seemed like threats, all with the power of the mass communication system that they have. And, and control and support. It's it's crazy because I, I don't believe that they're in the majority at all. I actually believe they're in the minority. I think they're having to push this hard with this narrative because they're in the minority, because they have to threaten people to shut up because they're afraid of what happens when everybody realizes that they're, they're just a bunch of people trying to bully everybody and lie to them. Yeah. So
2: let me just <clears throat> briefly summarize again, again, what he said. Um, <laughs> He said that January 6th, which was a mid-tier riot, um, and,
0: uh, maybe provocateur mid-tier riot. Yeah. Right. I mean, probably provocateur
2: and, uh, not believing that the election was perfect is a good enough cause to unite the country like happened after 9-11, right? Mm-hmm. um, which led to, excuse me, which led to uh, multiple wars, uh, right, billions man. and trillions of dollars, yes. a bunch of dead Americans, bunch of dead kids, bunch of bombs over over weddings and and things like that. Yeah. But they want that same kind of unity to fight for against fellow americans yeah yeah because this isn't stupid this is anti-democratic isn't,
0: this isn't, americans though you have to right. remember that they're anti-democratic americans right but this
2: isn't just like stupid or this isn't um like rough to hear this is a monstrous statement that he is he has said in yeah. such a way that you can miss what he's mm-hmm. saying
0: right and, and yeah and, and, and like i said he's the least extreme of who was delivering that message over the past week. The past week has consisted of nothing but that message. It, it culminated in what was a, a hate summit today at the White House that Biden spoke at. And they even mentioned in some of these clips, but you are exactly right. And that's why I was like, this is different. We're used to the political fighting. We're used to uh, leading up to campaign season, people throwing smears and it getting a little crazy, but we're not used to this. This is different. Yeah, like You can go back to the 1700s, 1800s, and you, you'll see smears and dirty campaigns. This goes beyond dirty campaigns to the targeting of specific groups of America Americans who simply question their leaders, their authority. How dare you question our authorities? Or you're just like Putin. And so, so the next person, if you think that guy was extreme. Well, let me ask is, you one, one question
2: ahead. before you move on. Um, which cartoon dog... Uh, left the TV screen and became that man because I don't think he could look more like he's an animated dog in human form.
0: He, he does look like he looks like he would be um, somebody who who spoke to a puppet dog on Sesame Street to me. He has kind of that look. To me. He <laughs> he's the creepy.
2: guy. He's the guy who, after his campaign events, goes behind the curtain and he's like, "How are you doing? It's been a while."
0: <laughs> no, he, yeah, he talks to. He, he takes it home, and like, people are like, "Why is he always taking the puppet home with him?" It's a little weird. Like, Why is he, he taking him, the puppet to the bathroom? You just let him do his thing. He's in there for hours. We have no. He's like he's like a fifteen year old taking a shower. He just never leaves the bathroom. All right. So the next one is from the I believe it's the Secretary of the of the Justice Department. What's up, bald guy? You, you ever notice how every everybody who is like a CIA agent or working in one of these these things, they all have shaved heads? That's that's because they wear wigs and stuff. I, I if you read about people who are operatives and stuff. And then of course, you know, people they they look that way because they want to or whatever, but operatives very strategically they they have clear heads because they need to change their appearance a lot. And that's just kind of the 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 vibe I get from the next guy you're going to hear from here who is Vahoris, not Vahoris, what is his name? Secretary of okay, uh I, I'm not even trying to pronounce his name, but here he is. This is him talking Department about the same thing. The
6: Department of Homeland Security was formed in the wake oh, of God. the September 11th attacks. How has it evolved since then to safeguard...
0: So the head of uh, the Department of Homeland Security, that's who it is. East the U.S. from foreign East. threats.
6: The um, Jonathan, the threat landscape has evolved considerably over the last 20 years. You know, back when 9-11 occurred in those... In those years, we were very focused on the foreign terrorist, the individual who sought to do us severe harm to enter the United States and and do us harm. It then evolved. We began uh, to be more and more concerned about the individual already resident in the United States, radicalized by a foreign terrorist, Ideology. Now um, we are seeing an emerging threat, of course, over the last several years of the domestic violent extremist, the individual here in the United States radicalized to violence by a foreign terrorist ideology, but also an ideology of hate, anti government sentiment, false narratives propagated on online platforms, even personal grievances. The threat landscape has evolved. Twenty years ago, uppermost in our minds was not the cybersecurity threat, the threat of cyber criminals or foreign adverse um, states. Now it very much is. We have evolved. We have grown to meet the evolving threat. We have a cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency. We have a center for prevention programs and partnership to address the threat of domestic violent extremism. We've grown our grant funds working in partnership with state, local, tribal, territorial governments. We've grown along with that threat because it is our obligation to do so, to make sure that the American people are safe and secure regardless of the nature of the threat that we confront.
0: Okay, that's one of the creepiest people you're ever going to see in your life. This is the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. And apparently, even personal grievances, if you have personal grievances against the government or anti-government sentiment, then that you could very well fall into this category of a domestic terror threat that he's talking about. And he mentioned that cybersecurity agency. I talked about that actually in a show last week. So that cybersecurity agency that he's referring to was created in 2017 after Trump won. And they just conducted in August, they conducted what was called a tabletop the vote exercise. And the tabletop exercises, by the way, the event 201 pandemic exercise that many people think was predictive or perhaps planning and, and preparing and just, you know, act practicing the pandemic. That was also a tabletop exercise. And they did this tabletop. These nerds
2: are playing D&D. Right, exactly. And bringing it into real life. Doing these
0: role-playing games. And that's what they did. They strategized all of these possible disruptions to the 2022 midterms and they're talking about cybersecurity problems they're talking about uh, a mass gunman who bust into one of the voting precincts a whole bunch of different scenarios that i'm wondering if it's like event 201 if we're going to see what they say what they practice happened i'm wondering how much of what they practice during tabletop the vote is going to happen before on and after the 2022 midterm election day. And that guy's referring to that, that, that cybersecurity agency is one of the most prominent agencies now that is in charge of defending the integrity of an election, which is a joke to me. That guy is terrifying, but he, yeah, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, I have to take, um, not offense. I, I reject the idea that it's, our threats are evolving. Right. Um, because, uh, nine 11, had had about 3000 more deaths
0: than January 6th. Right? That's why they need to stop us, dude.
2: It was I mean it was literally <laughs> I, I know it, it's absurd. You, you're totally right,
0: dude. You should be offended by that. It's the dumbest stuff I've ever heard. But isn't that kind of crazy though? Cuz you I don't know if you watched any of the coverage on 9/11 this year, but usually they not. They play the 9 11 era
2: is over. This this, this is right, a very dude. yes. This is a very clear shift into yep. new territory, and that um, is
0: what they made very very clear is that 9 11 is in the past. It's no longer a threat. We took care of it. The threat is now you. If you say the wrong thing, and and that is that is very coordinated in their messaging about that. Like I I didn't even. I didn't see one image on TV of the planes crashing into the building. I didn't see anybody play that and see anybody talk about it or reflect upon it, which they used to do. No one mentioned St- Steve Buscemi once. Not one time did they talk about him being a fireman and going going to, to work for the fire squad over there. And, and, of course, nobody talked about Building 7, of course, which they never actually talked about that. But that's a, a topic for another show. Here is the creepiest man alive from the... D- i mean you can't see this if you're just listening but those who are watching is this not the creep would you trust this guy be like yeah i'm going to take care of you if this guy said that i, I personally you've
6: said uh, that domestic extremism quote is the single greatest terrorism related threat in the united states what are the best ways to combat domestic the domestic terrorism threat I think, uh, of course, we have to uh, address the underlying cause. And, in fact, uh, the president uh, is convening a summit against hate uh, next week. Uh, we- that
0: I didn't mean to uh, stop that there. Um, I, mean, I did mean to stop it terrorism. there, but I stopped it. I moved the, the cursor along. So that domestic thing against hate was today. That was today. And during that thing, I watched it. There was, it was like seven hours. I didn't watch all of it, but I did watch part of it. Biden, he, he did his little speech, and he premised the whole thing on... Charlottesville, on the both sides. Can you imagine the guy saying there's good people on both sides? Which is a lie, which has been the most persistent lie about what Trump said that Biden based his entire campaign on. He, he based his entire campaign on a lie that he reiterated today at this hate summit that this man is talking about that's trying to defend against domestic hate and terrorism based on a lie. Th- these people are maddening
6: address the underlying cause and in fact uh, the president uh, is convening a summit against hate uh, next week. Uh, we have to address why do people radicalize to violence um, and we have to work with local communities to equip and empower them to address uh, the threat that could materialize. You know we have seen
0: work with local communities empower them. What do you think about that Cam?
2: A summit against hate. Hate, yeah, yeah. Somebody a has war hate. on terror. Yep.
0: What's it? What is on hate?
2: Drugs. A war on right. poverty. These are not things that you go to war with. But the, let's say the, the war on terror. This was a very convenient war because that meant that the United States ha- had gotten authorization from the Senate, from uh the, the H- House Representatives, whatever to. Go to war with any, anyone in any place around the world who presented a terrorist threat against the United States. It was a vague a vague war plan so that we would just agree with it, go along with it, let it happen. Yep. And now they're going even vaguer, and they're going with
0: hate. Yeah, they love to be vague. And, and it's you're
2: a right. war on hate. What is and, hate? Right, it's it's what happens when your your next door neighbor
0: flies a Trump flag, and, and that that's is exactly is. right. And so yes, th- that's the concern that it gets to that. Obviously, <sighs> there are hateful things that people do, and they're talking this whole summit. and what some of what they talked about, at least what I watched and some of what I read about it, was stopping you know hate crimes. And I, how do you identify that intent in a hate crime unless it's absolutely unless somebody kill somebody then paints a swastika on them, or they're heard shouting a bunch of vulgar slurs at them, how do you determine what that intent is? And we talked about this a while ago, Monica and I did, but that Aubrey Aubrey case, the guy who they say was jogging through a neighborhood in Georgia, in in Brunswick, Georgia, who got shot by the, the The white guy, after they the guy who look the the most easily painted as a racist person you could ever see in your life, the former police officers who are trying to do vigilante justice, and they ended up convicting them, and, and for they're going to prison for the rest of their lives. But after they had already given them a life sentence, they continued with the case because they took it to the federal court because they wanted to convict them of a hate crime, and they did. And that's what I thought that that case was always about. They needed to convict them of a hate crime because they need to codify something to measure it against because you have to have precedent cases. And that's a precedent case that they have now. And those guys involved in that case were probably racist. I'm I'm not going to say that they weren't. They probably were racist. However, the evidence that was presented, I don't believe that it was enough to say that there was an intent in their mind that they did that because the person was black. Because their argument was that the person and multiple people had been coming into the neighborhood and breaking into a vacant house and stealing stuff and des- destroying stuff. And they had seen this person who go in there before. And so recognizing that person is what prompted them to grab their gun and say, stop that person, which ended up in this chase and, and altercation and gunfire and one of them dying. It's a horrible situation for everybody involved. It, the guy was a kid. Even if he was going into the house and messing around with it, he did not deserve to die. And what they did was stupid. But it was an easy case to get the precedent case to define what a hate crime is. And that is a scary thing, because that's a thought crime. Uh, If you kill somebody, like anger, is that not a hate crime? How is that different? This is just kind of baffling to me how this is gonna be defined, and the fact that they have a government organization and a whole summit that they're now specifically going after this, and when you look at what they're training people to do. So this hate summit, Part of it is they're going to be conducting with the state's attorneys across the country these pilot programs where they're going to be training them and they're going to be training the citizens of the locales across the country to know how to identify like the red flags of someone who might commit a hate crime is. Sounds to me a lot like pre-crime. What are those red flags? Is it they post a picture of themselves outside the Capitol? Is it they wear a MAGA hat? Is it, you talk to them about the election, they say, I don't think it was the most secure election ever. I mean, come on, is that a red flag for a potential hate crime coming from that person? This is what's scary right here. And I think, honestly, I don't like to, I don't like to be a fear monger. I'm really not. But but I think we're coming into some wild times, some really wild times. And I'm going to stock up on storable food personally. You know, you guys probably already, already stocked up on storable food. Most people who listen probably are, but I'm definitely going to be stocking up because I think around the election time, I just think it's going to get really wild, dude. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's getting, it's getting so insane and so obvious that they either have to scale it back or something's going to explode. What do you think? You know, you don't know. You're just baffled. You're angry. I can't hear you. Can Can you hear me, Kim? Yeah, I think your mic might be. Sorry, off.
2: my my mic was muted. Yeah, I'm. I'm just not. I this.
0: And this. I mean, this guy is. He comes off as an awful person to me. He really comes off as an awful, awful person. I don't like him. I don't like him. At it's all. really sad
2: when. You have to make a point about laws or thought crime or pre crime or whatever, and every time you make this point, it sounds like you are quoting an episode of South Park because they said the exact same thing. South
0: Park about about hate crime. Oh, did they? No, no, uh, no, not, not what he said. What you said? Oh, South Park said that. Yeah, so I the think thought I crime. Yeah, I mean it is a thought crime. When you can, when you can like apply a hate crime to somebody, then, then where does that stop? You know, at what point is it like it just? It, you seriously, it's like, you go walk up to somebody and say, you look like you're thinking racist thoughts in that action. Look well, at, I look at Duncan yeah. Lump.
2: His, Duncan his neighbor Lump. with these red flag laws. Oh, right. Yeah. Let the, let the cops know that he had guns. That he was prohibited from having. <laughs> right. And they came in in the middle of the night and shot him in his bed.
0: Yeah, dude. I don't know. The, the times are interesting. There is pushback of all of this. Uh, I'm going to give you one more, and then we're going to go to the XR, and we'll we'll talk about some stuff that, that's a a little bit a little bit more lighthearted. Some of it anyway. And and, and the XR, uh, maybe we'll talk about Madonna's dating requirements because Madonna put out some dating requirements recently. So if you are interested in dating Madonna, some people might be. It's not 1980, so it might not be as as appealing. But still, it's Madonna. So we'll see. Dennis Rodman dated her. Everybody loves Dennis Rodman, kind of. Even North Korea loves Dennis Rodman. Mm -hmm. But, so, we're going to talk about that in the XR. Maybe play a few more clips that might trigger Cam. We'll find out. If you want to get access to that, go to patreon.com slash propagandareport and subscribe there for not only the subscriber-only content, but this show minus the ads. Take all the ads out for those who are subscribers. And the last thing I'm going to play for you is Cuck Todd asking Kamala Harris who also had a whole interview where they talked about the very same subject that we've been talking about. But he asked a question that I've been asking ever since. Ever since Biden allegedly said, I still find it odd that we have not heard any audio of Biden saying the semi-fascist comment. Isn't that strange? We only, uh, It's just a little weird to me. They tell us he said it. We haven't heard him say it. I don't know what the, the purpose of that is, but they, they just tell us he said it. It's weird. It was a closed-door ceremony. However, I wanted somebody to ask the question that Chuck Todd asked Kamala right here and here he is.
6: Semi-fascist.
0: Let's make sure we hear that.
6: What is a semi-fascist?
7: Listen, I think that um, when we, let's not get caught up in, 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 in politicizing the fact that most people in America know that it is not helpful to our country. When we have people who are denying elections or trying to obstruct the outcome of an election,
0: so that wasn't really an answer, but it kind of was an answer. So I, I think that what I took away there, maybe you took a, a different different takeaway. If you question the election, you're a semi-fascist. Is that not what you just said, basically? But kinda- I mean, it it sounded
2: like it. But these people are cowards.
0: I mean these these God politicians are the worst
2: worst people on the planet
0: um you don't think they're the best people well they're
2: they're they're, okay they're not the worst who's the Um, worst uh pedophiles abortionists politicians
0: yeah politicians
2: um but like this she is so bad at double talk.
0: she's the worst ever
2: like like could, could they have not found someone who was good at double talk
0: well, Hillary Clinton was a lot better than hers. She, she's—I mean, she's so—it's like she modeled modeled herself after Hillary Clinton. She's like a a, a, a mixed Mocha, race, Mocha black Hillary skin, uh, um, bad copy of Hillary Clinton. She just she doesn't do Hillary Clinton as well as Hil- Hillary Clinton does Hillary Clinton, or as well as that lawyer that Hillary Clinton allegedly may or may not have had killed did Hillary Clinton. I don't know. Speculations, all that is. Well, let's let's see what the rest of. It country she has to
7: say where the largest number of people in our country voted for the president of the United States and um, when we look at where we are I think that we have to admit that there are um, attacks from within to your first question and we need to take it seriously and and we need to stand up together all of us and and think of this not through partisan lens Most but as Americans
6: I, I think back to the president's inaugural address Mm -hmm. and he said the following politics need not be a raging fire destroying everything in its path Mm -hmm. and then i think about the construction the language construction he used with semi-fascist and i understand the dilemma you got to call it out in order to bring the country together but it's hard to do both at the same time isn't it
7: well here's the thing i mean let's talk about our president for a moment joe biden has spent his entire career it is on for all to see Working across the aisle, his whole career, sometimes he's been criticized for believing in bipartisanship, for believing in compromise, for believing in working across the aisle, finding common ground. Of course. His whole career has been that. But there are moments in time when we have to also agree, all good people who care about our country, that there are those who right now are vividly. Not defending our democracy. And I think we want that our commander in chief, the president of the United States, will speak up and raise the alarm about what this means to our strength and our future, much less our integrity.
0: So very, very, very sentimental. It looks like she's trying to cry in that scene. I feel like she had like two glasses of wine and a Valium before that interview and was trying really hard to break down in tears when she brought up January 6th and the the domestic terror threat they were in playing. Kamala Harris is awful. Awful.
2: There is nothing more dangerous to certain Americans and Middle Easterners in bipartisanship. Um. <laughs> when they get together to agree, someone's dying. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, you're, you're right, dude. You're totally right. It's just that, that... The stuff she said there was the biggest crock of ass that I've, I've ever seen. I've ever heard in my life. I,
2: and yeah, go ahead. She's not... I, I do not find her to be impressive whatsoever. Do you
0: think she's good looking? I don't... Well, I...
2: No, not really. I don't... I mean, I, I, I can see that she would have appeal but she's not my cup of tea all
0: right well i i I really i'm i had this video or this uh image that i wanted to show you but i don't have it so her stepdaughter not her daughter stepdaughter who's like 26 years old who was an adult when kamla met her (laughs) there's been these stories about her she's like a a weird runway okay i'm gonna pull the image up this is her this is her stepdaughter (laughs) Doing this weird runway model stuff and it just cracks me up, dude. It just, it's perfect. It's pro- I mean, I'm sure it's out there as a distraction, but it couldn't it couldn't be more perfect for my taste. At least give me give me a little bit of fun with all this if you're gonna have this woman saying awful things as though she's an authority figure. Here we go. All right, so do you see this here? That's her stepdaughter doing a runway model thing here that is that so what we're looking at is we're looking at there's a bunch of images of her at this on this run this runway and one of them she's completely covered in in green so if you've ever seen somebody who wear they have a green suit you have a green screen but they also have a suit you can wear that makes you completely green so that you're invisible when you're being filmed on a green screen it looks like she's wearing one of those except her face is exposed so I imagine and, someone's actually recording that and there's some weird green screen thing going on, but there's also like weird black and white circles. Those on are tracking the, dots. Yeah, maybe they're tracking. Yeah, you might be right about that. It's just a bizarre. It, just think of the weirdest runway model images that you've thought you've seen. And there's a lot of weird runway shows. But this is one of this is probably the weirdest one I've ever seen in my life. And it's Kamala Harris's stepdaughter. it. And why is she wearing glasses? Not that it's wrong. I, I have glasses, I wear contacts. I don't know that I've ever seen somebody wearing glasses on a runway. I haven't seen a lot of them, but it's just a really strange picture. It's not. A, I mean, it's aren't it's, they supposed to be like attractive? Is
2: this um, uh, what's the what's the word? Um, is this v- visual effects uh, Islam that we're looking at right Maybe.
0: here? Maybe. Yeah, they don't let her. They have, it's like she has uh, one of those things on her head. And she's not allowed to expose her her entire... I mean, it kind of looks like she's restrained in this photo here. There, there are others where there's a side view of it. Let me get that one here. A little bit further of a, of a view. Oh, there you go. See that one there? Yeah, that's, so there she is. And look at those people by her on on the, the runway. What do they... They have to be... They probably don't know who she is to begin with because how could you? She's entirely covered by some green tape or some weird stuff. Very bizarre. Very bizarre.
2: Very bizarre. Oh, I had a correction. Should I do that now? Yeah, do it. I ahead. think we should do it before the XR. So I was uh, I, I was looking at some of the comments. I very rarely do this. Uh, but I found one from one of our shows three weeks ago. And it's, it turns out I need to to make a correction. Um, Renrag79 said, you correctly ask for evidence on a rape accusation before commenting, but quote a hazy third- person account of context-free, seemingly salacious item items from Stephen King novels you have not actually read, and call the man sick and twisted. Nice. Perhaps you ought to read his damn books before you slander the man. This way, this way, career cancellations and censorship lie. Uh, I do have to correct this because I read the books, Dillhole. So I'm correcting. Hey, you. Let's not call him I a
0: hole. Ren Rag has been very supportive of us. So I, that's, <laughs> he is he's very supportive of us. And he, and he actually he has a lot of great comments on a lot of our shows. I haven't. I think he might have been referring to me actually.
2: Oh, well, I mean, I read them. Yeah, so. I
0: haven't read them. I think he, I, I think he might you have been referring to You can edit that out me. if you want to. No, no, you, you're fine. I'm not editing. It's too late to edit. But I think he is actually referring to me. And, okay, and so well, I read it.
2: And you read it. I do, I but he would be right, though. though. He
0: I would, would be right. So I, I, I heard what you said when you said that. And my response probably was, <laughs> that's disgusting. Sorry, Red Rag. No, I, I have just... actually not read it. And so that comment, and I think it was directed to me, would be correct. That I haven't read it, and I did comment on it. I was commenting on based on and because th- he said the third party and I think you were the third party. I think you were talking to somebody else. I think in the show and then you told me and then I reacted. So I don't believe it was directed at you. I think it was me. And um, <laughs> he's right. So <laughs> yes. I just thought that, that was be actually funny. A, a correct comment. I just uh, but he might have a different opinion about the book. Someone, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: who in in call it a, you know it's a it was a bait and switch.
0: No, was, I, was I, a, I hear you, dude. It's it's uh, but it's, yeah.
2: I did read them, and yes. I do think dude's sick and twisted. I don't okay. I don't know how well, you yes. write that crap.
0: Right. Well, I did not read it, and I probably responded in a similar sick and twisted way, and, and I did not read it. So, yes. Right. I, I probably should. I, I should not do that. All right. So, I think that we'll go to the XR on that. Um, yeah, and we're going to talk about some, some, some cool stuff. In the XR. I'm going
2: to lose you some fans, man. <laughs>
0: it happens, dude. <laughs> what did Lincoln say? You can't please everybody. You can. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what Lincoln said. A lot of stuff. You know, some of it was good. Some of it was, was uh, sensationalized. We'll find out. All right. We're gonna go to DMBXR. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.